0: But today I want to jump right into it. in Acts chapter twenty-one. If you've been traveling with us, we've been looking at the early church and look at the book of Acts, and we pivoted in the fall to Paul's Paul's journey, and we he had permission to go to the Gentiles, and that's what he did. He started planting churches all over the place. He was in prison. We talked about that last week, and now he's been traveling a lot, and now he's in Caesarea, and he's. Uh, 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 Feeling a call to go to Jerusalem And that's what we pick up right now Acts 21 verse 10 And so here he is in Caesarea About to board a boat to go to Jerusalem And he says this After we had been there in Caesarea a number of days A prophet named Agabus came down from Judea Coming over to us he took Paul's belt Tied his hands and feet with it and said The Holy Spirit says in this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When he heard this, we and the people pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping, breaking my heart? I am not ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's word. give them, Lord, I pray, God, for, I pray for this space, for this time, Lord, would you speak to us in ways that we would hear. Lord, help us, Jesus. Help us know where you're calling us. Help us know that you are with us. Reveal yourself more and In your name we pray. Amen. So a very interesting story, and we're not going to get too much into the prophecy part of it, but I, I wanted to, have you ever done something that you challenge yourself by choice? Have you ever done ropes, courses, it's all by challenge, challenge by choice. So a couple of years ago, actually, right after Ellie went to be with Jesus, me, Steve Kobzik, Connor Fauché, Ben Fischera, um, we decided to hike the Presidential Traverse. So this was a 22-mile hike, eight peaks. Middle of The middle peak was Mount Washington. It was this epic hike. Most people do it in a day or two. We decided to do it in one day. It was an ultra-hike. We prepped, we planned. And and what I found out is that there is something happening. And as when we are faced with a challenge that we cannot control, we talked about this last week. Last week, if you were here, we talked about the challenges that you do not have a choice in partaking in. We looked at Paul in prison with Silas, and we talked about what does that look like. You can go on our website, find our podcast, and you can listen to that. The challenges that we have no choice, whether it's a disease or whether it's a tragedy, whether it's, a, it's something going on inside of you or around you. These are challenges that we don't choose, but we have to face, and we all have them. But there are also some challenges in life that we can choose or we can choose not to take on. So for some crazy reason, we chose to take on this challenge. And we got up at 3.30 in the morning, hiked, got above tree line at sunrise, hiked 20 miles, got below tree line at sunset, beautiful day. And when we got back at that time, I had never been in so much pain in my life. I crawled into bed, we got home around midnight, I crawled into bed, and I remember very vividly, I woke up the next morning, and I prayed, like, Lord, please let me feel my legs. And I got out of bed, and I stood up, and I praised God, and I said, hallelujah, I can walk. I was in so much pain, I remember talking to Kate about it, and Kate's like, why did you do that? In fact, when we were hiking and we were in pain, we would tell and remind each other, we choose to do this, we choose to do this, we choose to do this. Somehow we felt better when when we said that, we choose to do this. And you have to reflect, why did we choose to do something so challenging? And the reason is, is because if we didn't embrace the challenge, we would miss out on so many amazing things. One, the views, being outdoors in God's creation in the White Mountains, hanging out with guys, meeting other people, just the challenge of doing it itself. And you look back and say, that was awesome. That was amazing. That was a, a, a memory that I will never forget. In fact, at spring, we said, well, what are we going to do this spring? We chose to do a bigger challenge, 33 miles, the whole PEMI loop that takes most people three days. We were going to do it in one day, and we failed. <laughs> but we tried. We ended up having to cross a river that was raging at four in the morning because we got turned around. It was challenging. It was hard. But it was our choice. And so the title of today's sermon is Challenge by Choice. You may be thinking, why would I want to take on any challenges that are above or beyond what I'm already facing that I have no choice in? And and, and I get that. You're probably all thinking that. But I just want to say, it is in us to do, to accept challenges that we choose to do that. This is how I know that. If you have kids, that is a challenge by choice. I've never heard anyone say, you know what? I want my life to be a little bit easier, so I think we should have a baby. It's never happened. If you've been, those who are married, those who take on a new job, these are challenges that we choose to take on. And in fact, I I, want to be like Agabus, this prophet, when there are some parents who actually may think, hey, when we have a kid, nothing's going to change in our life. In fact, our life will be easier. We're going to do what we've always been done. We're just going to bring a human with us. I've had parents say it. And and there are some parents that prove me wrong and do just that. And those parents, I despise, but they can do that. (laughs) But I want to be like Agnes. I want to go up to these parents and I want to take their eyelids and I want to keep them open and I want to say, never again will you sleep. The prophet has spoken. So we take on challenges by choice. Why do we do that? Our calling, our purpose. Why do we run marathons? You don't get anywhere faster. That it is built in us to take on challenges. Now, if you look at this story, here is Paul. Paul is about to go to Jerusalem. He feels this calling from Jerusalem. We don't know where this calling comes from. We don't know how he's so certain that the Spirit is calling them, but he is very certain. And I picture Agabus coming, this whole man, and he's in Acts 11, and a couple of 10 chapters before, and he predicts the famine that happens in Jerusalem. So here he comes, like here's this guy, and he predicted famine. People died on that, and I always going to say, and I, I, I picture him going to Paul and being like, you. It's pretty dramatic. He takes his belt, he wraps it around his, his wrist. You are going to be in jail. and You're going to be thrown into the Romans if you go. And Luke, who's writing this, said, we, we pleaded, because Paul's their friend, we pleaded, don't go, don't go, don't go. So Paul wasn't saying, ah, you're just a crazy kook, I don't believe you. No, he's like, yeah. That is what is gonna happen, and I'm okay. I am choosing to go in to where God is calling me. I want you to think about the hard things in your life, and whether you should or shouldn't. Never let hard be the right reason why you don't do something. This is the one thing I want you to remember, and we'll kind of dive into it, but don't let something that's hard prevent you from the purpose that God is calling you into. Hard should not be the reason. If your goal in life is to live easy, then you won't have a life worth living. If your goal in life is to live easy, take it easy, avoid challenges, then your life will not be worth living. We do hard things all the time. We'll do hard things for our kids, for our family, for our job, for our money, for success, for our reputation. We choose to do hard things for all the things that are important to us. And the question I ask you is, will you do the hard things for Jesus? Because there are people, especially in this area, that there's a line It's like, hey, I would do all these things for my family, for my kids, for my job, but the line starts with Jesus. That's the thing that I I won't do. John Mark Wilmer, who's a pastor on the West Coast, says this, Churches have a wide band of Christians in them. Many who have a nominal faith, who are consumer oriented. Their primary reference point of spirituality is self-life. Not self-death. He goes on and says that about fifty percent, a little under fifty percent of Americans claim to be Christians, but in reality, only ten percent of those who claim to be Christians are actually followers of Jesus. Only ten percent of Christians who say, I believe in Jesus, but the Bible says even the demons believe in Jesus in Shadow, but they're not following him. So the question I ask you is do you just believe in Jesus or are you following Jesus? And if you are following Jesus, this may be kind of a Debbie Downer, but following Jesus can be challenging. When you say yes to Jesus, you're not saying yes to an easy life. You are saying yes to more challenging. I just want to be honest. I'm going to put it on the table here. And that makes me think, well, I came here. I want want this Jesus to to kind of pave the way for me. I want the power of Jesus. But I'm just going to be honest with you that there are challenges in your life that will occur when you follow Jesus. In Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the 72. 12 disciples plus uh, 60 others. I'm going to send you out. And this is his pep talk. If, you, if you've been watching college football or NFL football this last couple weeks, there's always these pep talks and they'll you know, give you glimpses of him. So this is like Jesus' locker room moment. He's with all, all the 72. This is like the hype moment before he sent them out. And, and I just want to give you a glimpse into the locker room in Matthew 10, 15. He says this, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils, and you will be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and father his children. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by everyone because of them. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Can you imagine all the disciples? Like, yeah, let's go get them, go! If that were me, I'd be like, "Mm -hmm. Jesus, did you make that 71 Cross my name off that list. Um, you're saying I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be hated. I'm going to be arrested. Uh, this is not what I signed up for. This is—is this is what you signed up for? This year, I had the honor of coaching my girls' uh, soccer team. I Annie mean, is in fifth grade. It's fifth sixth grade team, and we have 18 girls. 18 girls. And honestly, it's awesome. It's amazing. I love it. Last week we played a team up in Gloucester. So a bunch of fishermen daughters. And they were tough. And every time a girl would come off the sideline, I'd sub them out, they would come and say, Coach, they're pushing me. Coach, they're shoving me in. And they were, and I would say they're not doing anything illegal. We're in a different league, because last year we were in the third and fourth grade league. This is fifth and sixth grade. It's kind of a little bigger girls, bigger, better, softer. And I would say, girls, they're not doing anything illegal. And then I said this. I said, girls, do not avoid the contact. Because when you avoid the contact, you will avoid getting the ball, and you are going to lose this the whole time they were out there, as soon as a girl would show them, they would back off. And the girl would take the ball and go. I want to say the same thing to you. Do not avoid the contact of following Jesus. We follow Jesus, and then when a challenge comes up, we just kind of back off. And when we do that, we are giving an enemy a foothold to this game. The enemy will use challenges to prevent us from following Jesus. The enemy is the one that's going to persecute them. The enemy is the one that's going to flog them. The enemy is the one that's going to hate them. The enemy is the one, and what we do when we say, you know what, I want to avoid this, we're letting the enemy win. And so could we just say, I'm going to embrace it. And so I said, you need to take it. And in fact, you need to shove back a little bit. Because if you do, we're going to win this game. At the end of your life, you're face-to-face with Jesus. Do you want to be remembered for having an easy life or an impactful life? You have to answer that question. This is what Jesus responds in 10 to when they came back. He said the 72 return with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And when we embrace the challenge, we are defeating the enemy. I have to believe that everything Jesus predicted was going to happen, happened. They didn't come in and say, Jesus, this was unfair, Jesus, Jesus. They they arrested us. Jesus, they beat us up. Jesus, these people wouldn't listen, so we left. No, no, they came back rejoicing because they saw the power of God at play in the midst of the challenge. And then Jesus says this, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice of not what you do, but knowing who you are. And when we give our life as we understand it, we will gain a life beyond our understanding. Rejoice that you have God Almighty on your side as you go and face the challenges that go with following Jesus. I would imagine there are people here in this room right now that say, sign me up. I want to be known as a kingdom builder. I want to be known that when I wake up, the devil is upset that I'm awake because I'm on the offense. I want to be known for an uh, impactful, meaningful life. That when I'm in heaven, people's lives have been changed because of my life. There are people here. I hope that's all of you who are saying this. But are you willing to embrace the challenges to do that? J.W. Tucker was, he was a missionary. In 1939, he and his family went to Congo. Here's what his life involved. Hundreds of people experienced divine healing because of his ministry in Congo. Some were even raised from the dead. 5,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. And then fifty years later, because of his involvement in two thousand and fourteen, they said that that number had grew to a half a million people who were followers of Jesus. Revival had spread in Congo. Actually, Kate's dad grew up in Congo as a missionary as well, and they had to flee because of civil war. You wouldn't you want a legacy like that, man? Half a million people are in heaven because of. Me saying yes to a calling Jesus had on me. I would hope that you would all raise your hand. People were healed from diseases. People, some people were raised from the dead. I would love to be a part of that and be used like that. Well, let me tell you the rest of the story. Here's what happened. In 1964, after they were in America for a little bit, they decided to go back. Two weeks after they landed in Congo, J.W. Tucker was captured by the rebels and he was killed. His wife, Angelia, called his captors to ask what's going on with her husband, and all they responded was, he is in heaven. Which later, she wrote a book about that, called He is in Heaven. She actually was able to get out of Congo. Her and her kids, American forces and European forces, came, and they were able to extract them out. But a couple years later, she went back. And she said this if Jesus carries, there should be a wonderful harvest of souls in all of Northeast Congo. For we truly believe that the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. Because her went back and because of JW's uh, death, Christianity spread. And this little village, this little section of Congo, there was really. High. And Jay Tucker knew. Before he went back to Congo in 1964, one of his friends, who was also a missionary, he came up to him, and he said this prophetically, if you go in, you will not come out. In response, Tucker says this, God didn't tell me I had to come out, he only told me I had to go in. Do you live life that way? Do you live life saying, I am choosing the challenge because it is worth it? I believe that there are things God has called you to do. People God God has called you to be a part of their change. That never happens because we try to avoid the challenge. We may feel calling. We may feel longing. But yet, we don't take on the challenge. Because it's a choice. When God calls you, you can choose to say no. Paul knew he would be in prison, but he went anyway. Paul knew that he had the potential of death, but he went anyway. And, and there's something going on, because there are times in Paul's life, if you look, look, look back, you will see that people have warned him and he avoided certain challenges. So there's some wisdom there, right? There's some wisdom I'm telling your kids you know, on their way to get a shot, like, hey guys, you're going to get a shot, and this is going to hurt really bad. That's not wise. But there are things in our life where we say, if your goal is easy, then you're going to have a life not worth living. The reality is many people want the benefits of following Jesus without the sacrifice. We want the kingdom without the king. I want the peace. I want the comfort. I want life eternal. But I don't want the challenge. And I'm not willing to sacrifice the things that I like. And what we want to do is we want to add those things onto the life that we're living. I think it's true for church. I think a lot of people want the benefits of a church body, people, without the sacrifice. And you don't receive the benefits without the sacrifice. I want a church that is loving. I want a church that is caring. But yeah, I don't want to know the church. I don't want to be a part of that. I just want to receive but the church can offer me. But we have excuse after excuse. In Luke 9, there's a man who said, I've given everything to follow you, Jesus. What else do I need to do? And so Jesus says this, follow me. Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of this always seems so harsh. Jesus says, follow me. And he goes, okay, I got you. I will follow you. But I got to attend to my dad's funeral. This is a pretty legit excuse. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come now. I believe that if it were this excuse, there would be another excuse. And if it weren't that Jesus there'd be another, another. No, I, I can't do it because, you know, I've been away from my home. I can't do it because there's a harvest coming. I can't do it because, you know, Billy's in town and we got to celebrate. I can't do it. And Jesus knows, like, there's never going to be a perfect time for you to follow me. And it's going to take some sacrifice. Would you say yes? The reality are there are seasons in life. I get that. Everyone's got a season in life. But when a season becomes a pattern, it no longer is a season, but becomes your life. I know that can be harsh. Oh, it's a season. Hey, we're in a new job, or we have a new kid, or we're just in this season, or that season. And it's like, you know, we understand that. But when that season becomes a pattern, guess what? It's not a season anymore. This is just how you live your life. And you are missing what God has in store for you. I understand that there's probably many here who sacrificed to be in this room right now. I'm sure it was challenging I just want to say I see you I see you guys coming. in and we're a late church so you come in at 10 a.m. no one's here and then you then I look out the window and I see like kids coming all hot and fire temper tantrum I'm sure if you're a young family it's like did I feed them did they get enough sleep I, we got to bring a whole nursery to get and pack and get here I get it it's hard I'm, I see the challenge Teenagers, I see your challenge. You got to wake up every day for school and now it's a weekend and you gotta roll out of bed and you gotta go to a fireside gathering. It's a challenge. When, when all your buddies are out playing sports or sleeping, I get it. It's a sacrifice. I see you adults who have had a long week, maybe you don't want to see anybody, maybe you're introverting like but the last thing I want to do is be around people the last thing I want to do is sit in a very uncomfortable chair listening to a bald guy speak to me <laughs> it's playing songs that I just don't know that well I, I get it it's a challenge I get that it's not easy I just want to just say Katie and I as we lead we know it's not easy we're fighting the same battles you are fighting the same battles but I will say this it is worth it. When you say yes to Jesus, when you join in the community of the church, it is what we're designed to do and designed to be. And when you're living your purpose, there is nothing that can compare that you would say yes to the challenge. My hope is that being a part of the church would be on the table with the other things that you're saying yes to the challenges to you. Don't let hard prevent you from your purpose. The truth is that when you accept the challenge of following Jesus, you will also avoid many other challenges of the world. So yes, it is challenging, but it's preparing you and equipping you to avoid other challenges that may come your way. You'd be better parents, you'd be better wives and husbands, you'd be better workers, you'd be better friends, you'd be better neighbors. Following Jesus will make you a better person but it can be challenging. We're starting a bunch of sessions and we're starting uh, uh, Alpha. We're going through Galatians. We're starting tables. You know, Kate and I don't get around with our staff with Connor and and say, you know what would be really difficult if we had all these environments that people had to like skip things and get there? <laughs> well, we're saying like, Lord, and I mean this guy, what do you want for our people? And we bring it to the Lord, and we know we need people to know and love each other. We see in Scripture that the early church—they got together and they ate meals that no one was without need, and they only did that because they knew each other. And so we said, "Lord, can you help us and guide us?" And How would that look like today? And so that's why we do tables, right? These are just like a micro uh, of of the the macro of what. The church is, but they like, hey, can we set these environments? And we know it's going to be challenging for people to host. We know it's going to be challenging for kids to get there. We know it's challenging with work schedules and kids. We know it's challenging, but we just believe, adamantly, it's worth it. And we'll hear stories from you guys. Hear stories of people, like, hey, we went through a season, but guess what? Our church stepped up and supported us. And in any way, the only way to be positioned to receive support is to be in a position to to be in a community. So when you say how do we live this life and you know like on Sundays we're not super heavy like you know doing a Bible study but we need to know God's word and so how do we do this? Let's do these sessions and, and, and we really felt God was calling us to Galatians and so it's like let's do the session where we get guys together, girls together. And then we found out that there is people who can't do nights or hey, Let's do one in the morning. Let's just make it as easy as possible to get there. And we know it's going to be sacrificial. We know it's going to be hard. But we just believe that when you enter these communities that you will be more and more formed like Jesus. Talking to Paul and Shelley, they're like, hey, you know, we got all these people who are new to faith. What do we do with them? And we started talking about what that would look like. And so we're starting an alpha class. And so for every other Friday, starting in October, we're going to do Alpha, and we have a group of people coming just to know what it means to follow Jesus and have discussion and talk about what questions can be arise. And we just believe, boy, we're not just doing stuff to do stuff to make your life difficult. I I get that. Every time I ask anyone, hey, you should do this, it's because I adamantly believe that you will be better off, that I adamantly believe that this is what God is calling us into. And don't let hard prevent you from your purpose. So for, for me, and I'm not put all the programmatic stuff to the side. But for me, this is all I want. I want to be face-to-face with Jesus, and I want to feel like I did with that hike. I felt exhausted. I said this to my girls yesterday, uh, uh, playing soccer. I say, guys, some of you are different with your skills. I get it. Some of you just learn how to play soccer. Some of you dominate. Wherever you are, I don't care. What I want is when you come off that field, I want you to be exhausted. Because you put it all out. You did everything you could to your ability. And I want to get to heaven with the same mentality. I want to get to heaven where I'm just going to before Jesus saying, Jesus, I did everything I could to build your kingdom. Did everything to obey what you called me to to obey you, your, follow you. I did everything. I embraced every challenge. This is my hope. My hope is your hope, and I want to look back and say, because of the challenges, look, so and so's hearing in been so and so's life is impacted. This person is no longer addicted to this. This person's marriage has been um, established. This person, and this is what I would hope you want—the same thing in your life. And I believe it's possible that every one of you can live the life worth living that God is calling you. But I'm going to be honest with you. It, is going to be challenging and the question is do you choose to take on that challenge? I don't see people say hey, you know what? You want to make your life you know what's really easy? Follow Jesus. I will say things will be easier. I will hope that marriages will be easier. Parenting will be a little bit easier in terms of your mindset. But it is challenging. So that's my prayer. I want to bring Liz up here or Elizabeth. We've had uh, amazing testimonies, and we just uh, want to share what God is doing. I think the most powerful thing is to see what God is doing with someone else's life. And so uh, Liz was picking some stuff up, and let's come on up here. And I just felt like very much like almost an audible voice, like I need to ask Liz. And so I said, like, Liz, would you give your testimony? And she's like, Are you kidding me? I was going to ask you. <laughs> and so. So Liz, with that, here you go. Hello. Just a little nervous
1: talking to a few people um, Hi. So, I'm Elizabeth, um, married to Connor, who's back there with our one-year, almost one-year-old. It was very, very a year ago, I can't even really believe it. Um, we, uh, he's, his name is I. Um, We live in Amesbury. um, And I just felt like I wanted to share a little bit about um, kind of my process of moving up here and what that journey has been like for me. Um, And for those of you who don't know, I'm actually not from here, I'm from um, Dallas. Um, And I grew up in just a really awesome home. Um, My family, just a really supportive community, an awesome church community. My um, parents modeled life with God, I think, in a really um, unique way. Um, they model generosity, and they still do, and we had a home filled with prayer and scripture, and I just, I just followed Jesus for as long as I can remember. Um, six years old, I heard God's voice tell me he loved me. Um, got really involved in youth group um, in sixth grade. I had like a really transformative experience with the Holy Spirit. Um, and that just really set me on fire for, for God, and um, I was just really involved in youth group all the way through, through high school, um, and in college, um, I went to ministry school in Florida, that's where I met Connor, and we were there for a few years, um, and really just grew, you know, together with our friends the community there. And um, a couple years after that, Connor moved back up here because he felt called to help me site. Um, and at that point, we kind of started dating. For some reason, it was when he moved. <laughs> um, and I knew when, you know, he moved up here when we started dating, I knew that he was called here. Um, he made that pretty clear. He was like, hey, listen, like, God called me to fire side, God called me to New England. And I knew, like, okay, at the end of this, like, if we were to get married, like, he wouldn't be moving down. He might be moving. All right, like one step at a time. Because um, my context was like, I, I didn't really have a much of a context for New England, or really, quite honestly, I really didn't care for it. I started dating and every three months I would visit and actually somebody in Mr. Marks through this process with this. clip and Abby Maxon, their guest bedroom was like a revolving door for me for like two years. I was just, I was there all the time. Um and so every few months I would kind of come up here and you would visit me, and I'd kind of be like, what this far is what is people? I, I just it's like, can't see myself here? I'm just not um, Sure, and I just had this two-year process of really wrestling with the Holy Spirit and, quite honestly, fighting with God a little bit, Um, just on so many levels. Of like, like I built a life for myself. I have awesome friends, a great community. There's really no reason for me to shake that up. Like, there was no reason for me to. I I feel like it'd be really hard. And I even remember having a conversation with someone, and I was like, going, "Oh no, that would be hard. I don't really want to." Really want to move? Like, is there any other way we could make this happen? And then she told me, "Hey, like, it would be hard. But, like, the question is, like, is that where God is calling you to go?" And it became pretty. um I found it more clear that that was the case. So, in the spring of 2020, I like was like, "All right, God, just kind of run it and just you, you won. Like, this is." I'm just going to follow you where you're calling me to go. Um, so right when we kind of made that decision, um, COVID happened, everything shut down, it was very confusing for a lot of people, and it begged the question of, did you actually tell me this or did you not? Because there seems to be no way for that to happen. Um, and two months later, seemingly out of nowhere, a very generous family who thinks some of you guys know that the joy is not for you, reached out to me, and he said, we feel like God is, um, us to open our home to you, will you live with us? Um, and they were a bridge that bring me up here. Um, and so in June of 2020, I'm packing my Toyota Camry, my whole life is in it, I'm leaving my friends, my community, I have no money. And I'm just like, guess I'm moving, my parents were like, yes, we're driving you to where? Like, it's just very uh, bizarre. Um, I think some family members actually thought I was a little crazy what is she doing, is, is something wrong with <laughs> her? Um, but it was very clear that God was bringing things together, and so came up here, me and Connor got married, three months later, um, God provided jobs, finances, um, housing, just so many things came together. We had a wedding in the midst of a really hard time to have any type of so some of you guys were at. Okay. Um, and, a, and a hard time to have a wedding, and I remember just being like, just almost, Jarred by just how many things came together so quickly, I wasn't expecting. But um, pretty quickly, I think I felt the wear of this just like big life transition, and it, it felt really hard for me. I was in a new place; everything I knew was different. It kind of felt like the rug was taken out from under me. Um, I remember talking to God and saying, "Like, I know you told me it would be hard, but I don't, I do For me, like, switch (laughs) locations, I'm just not sure. Um, And what I realized that was hard about this season for me was not New England specifically, because what I've come to find is it's actually a lovely place to live. Actually, the weather's nice, you know, we get used to it, and the people are, are, you know, very lovely, and there's, like, mountains. and It's kind of a nice place to live. Um, But I realized what was hard for me was I, was stripped of all my comfortability and everything that I'd come to be used to and know, things I had relied on that I didn't even realize I was relying on, um, and I was forced to rely on God in a way I never had to before, and that was very different and just hard. And I just had this, um, I'd say, two and a half year process of just wrestling with God of my purpose and. Um, you know, it was just, of just, like, reforming, reforming my life from scratch, um, and it almost is like I kind of had to relearn my relationship with God, because I was in season of just, it felt really challenging for me. Um, and so in this process, God led me through a process of, the only way I could describe it is, um, really positioning my life, um in his presence, to notice him and to be aware of his presence. Um, And he just led me to, you know, different, you know, different spiritual practices of um, ways I can, like, not distract myself and instead choose to lean into him and see where God is. And I I started taking very intentional times of um, being alone with him throughout the day to just be with him and to hear his voice and to notice what he's doing, and he and Connor been so taking a Sabbath every week where we would just not work for one day a week and not take our email, and we would just um, really take that time to rest. We leaned into generosity with our time and our, our finances, and we leaned into um, vulnerability and community and just being honest with people about how like, we were feeling. And through all of these things, through just positioning our life to be aware of where God was, um, he showed me his closeness. um, He showed me where he was, what he was doing, and he didn't change my circumstances. He didn't flip it upside down and be like, everything is awesome now. Um, But he showed me that he's enough in the really hard parts. um, And that I, I truly, truly believe that his presence is is enough when things feel challenging. Um, and so now I can say fast forward a little bit. Um, three years into marriage, um, Zion is one next week. Um, we have amazing in-laws. I just wanted to sh- Eric and Leslie visit with us. Um, We formed a community. I feel like I have purpose. Um, but more than anything, I feel like I have a true security and a reliance on god that i don't think i'd have otherwise if i hadn't decided to say yes to him um even just having followed Jesus my, my whole life just saying yes to me um in a decision that i didn't quite think was the smartest decision um that that was worth it um, I guess I'll this. Um, i've been asked you know, by different people. Oh, like, do you miss home, or do you wish you lived there, or do you like it here, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I, of course, I, like, love my home, and, you know, I have such a fondness for how I grew up, but I really believe it's so much better than what I has you. Um, it's, it's just worked all the hard, I think. And I'm just really glad that I said yes to him at 21 years old, too. Um, do something that felt really challenging.